welcome to Sport Insights with Imagio. My name's Bridget Lacey and joining me from Melbourne in the Australian Open is Managing Director Sam Maxwell. Sam, how's it going over there? Well, thanks, Bridge. We're um, obviously a couple of days into um, into week one of the tournament, um, qualifying last week. It's been, yeah, a, a busy a busy couple of weeks, a busy start to the year for um, yeah for all involved, but uh, an exciting time for yeah um, Australian and, and world tennis at the same time. Can you talk us through that? Um, you know, it's your arrival in Melbourne and what you kind of do in the lead up uh, with, I guess, a variety of clients doing in different situations. Yeah, I guess from a from an agent side and sort of what we what we have to do with with our players um, varies a lot on on schedule um, where they're leading up to a Grand Slam, where they're playing the weeks before, and and this year was I guess a unique experience with the introduction of um, of ATP Cup, which which put our players um, in a number of different you know places in the in the first two weeks. Um, of the tournament, and then just to throw another spanner in the works with some of our guys expecting to go to to Canberra um, for, for the challenger there, but was that was rescheduled to to Bendigo. So I guess logistically and having players, you know, in in different places was was a bit of a different challenge. But I guess so once once you get to Melbourne um, for, for the Slam, it really depends on um, if your players are in main draw or in qualifying and what sort of needs to be. To be done. Firstly, I guess from a logistics side for, for the players, given it's the, it's the first slam of the year, um, there a lot of their apparel and equipment sponsors have have new um, have new gear and new equipment that they they require um, the, the, the guys to be to be wearing. So that's um, also wearing and using. So that's you know making sure that that the guys and girls are um, are kitted out and happy and um, and and ready to go. Um, and then, you know, I guess after the, you know, if you're lucky and your players do get through qualifying, there's the the, the media commitments, the press commitments um, and everything, which particularly at this time of year, given the Australian interest um, is, uh, and, and the, sorry, the media interest from the Australian players in January is is really high um, and the demands on them, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things they they have to do, so the requests and um, and whatnot sort of come through come through us. We sort of filter filter those, and um, the guys get them get, get those done, and I guess ready to ready to start the tournament come come day one or two, depending on on um, yeah on, on when they're scheduled. And there was a little bit more drama than normal around qualies as well uh, this year, Sam, given the the air quality issues. That were about, or did you have to deal with much in terms of that as an agent? Or yeah, so that was an interesting one. That um, you know, the there was obviously a lot of talk before the tournament, um, and I don't really think anybody probably thought it was would be as bad as what it was on the the first couple of days of um, of, of qualifying. And um, yeah, look, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't great. Um, they they just on day one of qualies they delayed play um i think an hour and then in day two they they pushed it back quite a bit so um yeah that you're just sort of you know keeping your players up to date with with what the um with what the, the tournament is deciding um and then obviously they put out their um their air quality ruling at the middle of middle of last week so it's one of those things that you sort of you're trying to go into the bat for your players but to some extent it's a little bit out of your control as well so yeah it's just another um another variable that you had to deal with but these guys are these guys are professionals and, yeah, um, they're able to deal with it and cope with it and, um, yeah, move on. And how does it all work with, with wild cards? Obviously, uh, Andrew Harris received a wild card for, for his first uh, Grand Slam 
main draw, um, which was fantastic, and and we see as well uh, Storm Sanders got a wild card into the into the doubles alongside Priscilla Hon. So, how does that sort of all come about for for I guess the listeners? Yeah, so I guess the wild card's an interesting one. I mean, just onto that list, you had obviously, um, you know, Maddie Inglis and, and Kayla McPhee, um, Matt Ebden as well, getting wild cards into into the women's and men's doubles, and then um, Matt Ebden and Jess Moore in the mixed and Storm um, Storm playing with Mark Palmans in the mixed doubles as well, which which is exciting for, for for all of those. But I guess yeah, wild card. It's an interesting one. It's sort of a you know, it's a it's an it's an opportunity. Um, it's a bit of a lottery in, in some sense to, to give the players a a free entry or a gift into the main draw. And um, I guess on one hand, the, the players obviously while while they want they definitely want one for the opportunity side of things. They 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 want to use it as a springboard to hopefully you know get their ranking up. So you know further down the track they're able to get in on their um, on on their own merit and on and on their own ranking. So. Um, from a tournament side, they'll, they'll use the wild cards to obviously give uh, give local talent an opportunity. So in Australia, that's obviously Australians, but they'll also often use wild cards to um, to, to give to you know bigger names who, who may draw crowds and um, like Maria know, Sharapova, for example. Yeah, exactly. So Maria Sharapova was the was was a classic example um, on the single side, yeah, this this year, and um, you know I've got you know certain you know reservations about that as an example, and does that you know detract or take away from um, maybe an opportunity for for an Australian? And um, but I, I can see at the same time that you know Maria's a, um, or anyone in, in that you know calibre is a you know they're, they're a global name, and it really sort of does put the um, you know. Gives gives a bit more profile and and, and people go out to, to watch her play live and, and on TV and, and that type of thing. So um, yeah, I will definitely always go into bat for um, for my players who I believe are, are worthy um, of a wild card. So that's you know speaking with um, the tournament organisers um, and the, the selection you know committee. Um, in this case, it's at Tennis Australia. Given they sort of run run these wild cards, we do that across the singles, the doubles, and also the and also the mixed. Um, and then it's yeah. Once it's done, they um, they're, they're officially in the drawer, and the names get you know not pulled out of a hat anymore. It's now all computer generated, and yeah, hopefully they can take the opportunity. And you know, just yesterday it was great that um, yeah for Maddie Inglis and uh, and Kayla McPhee to have a really good win against a you know a, um, the thirteenth seed and in the doubles and, and girls who've played you know pretty well at that level on tour for for a number of years so it's great to see them you know really take that opportunity what about scheduling wise we saw on the first day uh there was some rain so that meant that there was meant to be on the second day 96 singles matches i think they didn't end up getting there but um how much do you guys get involved in in terms of you know scheduling uh for the following days and that sort of stuff to find out what's happening with your clients, et cetera, and what courts they're going to be playing on? Yes, what happens with that? So with the Australian Open, the way it works is that one half of one half of the men's draw and one half of the women's draw will play on one day um, and the other halves will play on, on the other day. Um, so this year, the bottom half of the men's draw and the top half of the women's draw were to play on odd days. So that would be obviously starting on Monday. Um, and the opposite would, would start on Tuesday. And as you said, interesting, this year with, with the rain um, that sort of came in about 
three, four hours after play started on, on Monday. And it meant that with the exception of the three roofed courts, so the three courts with, with roofs, so Rod Laver, uh, Margaret Court Arena and um, Melbourne Arena, play outside on all the outside courts was was suspended and cancelled on the Monday so all those matches were then bumped to Tuesday so that sort of creates a bit of a you know a scheduling nightmare so I guess um, you can always you can always put in requests um, for, for, for your players in terms of um, potentially a, a court that they may like to play on or a time of day um, and you know it's 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 sometimes looked at it sometimes not um, there are so many you know factors that the tournament staff um, the tournament team need to take into consideration when when putting um, yeah matches uh, matches on on courts it's obviously you know the size of the court for, for spectators is um, is one you're not going to put you know a really high profile match on a one of the outside courts with a, with a small stadium. Um, TV's another one as well. Obviously, if it's going to be a, a high-rating TV match, it's going to be on one of the, the courts that have, um, you know, full full coverage. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, logistical, um, I wouldn't say nightmare, but it's a challenge. And look, they, they, do, they do do a really good job. But, yeah, at the same time, similar to the wild cards and else as well, we'll go, on, we'll go on to bat for our players, you know, where, um, where possible, but equally understanding that, you know, there are a number of different... Um, variables and balances that need to um, need to happen and and um, yeah they need to be weighed up. Of course Andrew Harris played a top 10 player in the first round and he did get a big court in Melbourne Arena uh, which was you know a great experience can you talk us through what what his day would have been like obviously he was first up um, wh- wh- how does it all work you know the lead up to the the match and then and what happens afterwards? Yes, I mean, knowing um, it was an interesting situation with with Monday. So we've sort of known for a couple of days out that um, that Monday was going to be wet. So you sort of, unless you're on one of those the, the three courts with the roof, you're a little bit unsure as to schedule if you're going if you're one of the later matches, if you're going to get on and and that. So um, that throws into you know um, I wouldn't say chaos, but you know into some drama at times. Um, you know when players eat, when they practice, when they warm up, and, and that type of thing. But the good thing is um, with with Andrew, the um, the draw was done on the draw was done on Thursday, and then come um, early Friday morning. Um, we knew it was going to play Monday, um, and then later on Friday we knew that it was going to be the first match on on Melbourne Arena with the with the roof. So that meant that it didn't schedule wasn't going to be affected. We knew that even even if it rained, he'd still be on at eleven o'clock. Um, so yeah, just to use him him as an example, he probably would have got uh, he got on site at about seven thirty, um, and would have practiced about half an hour, forty five minutes on. Um, on Melbourne Arena, um, went inside, showered, changed, had something to eat, um, sort of ready to go by about probably you know ten o'clock. Um, then he's into his you know his warm up routine with his uh, with his coach and his, um, his fitness trainer, um, and then sort of roughly ten minutes before the match, um, the, the the players are called from the locker room, um, and Melbourne Arena is actually a fair way from from the locker room at, at Melbourne Park, so they. Uh, He'll jump on a jump on a golf cart buggy and take him to the court. And um, yeah, eleven o'clock on the dot, he's called on the court. The warm up starts, and um, yeah, away he goes. Mm, and then afterwards, what what happens there? Yeah, so it's a good, yeah, really good, um, yeah, good, great question. So obviously, um, it depends upon the player. Um, obviously, 
you know, who they are and who they played, how they went. So um, once they get into the, once they're done, they'll get into the locker room. Um, the press requests come through. So if any media outlets um, want to do any uh, any interviews, whether that be for the TV, print, um, online, or, or radio, um, they'll they'll come through. So Andrew was called to press at about I think it was two o'clock. Um, so that comes through to us as well. So we'll accompany Andrew to the uh, to the media room. Um, we're just using obviously Andrew as the example. This is the same with, with yeah, with all with all players. Um, Andrew, after his match, only had to do uh, print and um, print online and a radio, a quick radio interview. Um, after that, yeah, it's it's lunch. Uh, so he had something to eat, and then it's yeah, recovery and yeah, get ready for you know, get ready either for the next match if you're. Um, if if you win and um, you're on to the next round, or um, or bubbles, um, if you yeah if if you're still on the draw, so um, yeah, that's I guess post yeah post the match, it's a it's it's a it's a long day. I mean, I don't think he mm. would have uh, used Andrew as an example. He wouldn't wouldn't have left um, probably until about five, probably five o'clock um, that that afternoon. Um, and you even see someone like a Kevin Anderson who played his first round match on uh, on Tuesday. I think the match finished probably at about one thirty in the morning. But a you know five hour five hour match which is about one thirty in the morning. He probably wouldn't have left the site um, probably until about I would say three thirty or four o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, which does make for a um, yeah for for a very late finish um, at times. Mm. And so when um, when you're called for press, is there a time limit on how long you've got before you got to go? Like I'm assuming that. Sometimes the player doesn't necessarily want to head straight to being on the other side of it for many years. Um, I've always kind of wondered about that. Yeah, so the tennis is interesting. You sort of you actually get a bit of flexibility. Um, it, it sort of depends if sometimes the players want to do a bit of their recovery um, first. It depends a lot on how they're feeling. Um, yeah, so you do get a bit of flexibility. Um, yeah, with with yeah with, with that, um, and not, normally it's within sort of an hour to ninety minutes after. Um, yeah, after they play, um, once they've you know showered, done a little bit of a cool down and recovery, um, they might have eat, might need to eat something, and then they'll yeah then they go in. So um, it's it's not something where they're, they're told by any stretch. You know, you have to be at um, you know um, in the press room at this time. Is something that you were able to were able to work through, um, but yeah, it is a it is a requirement that um, yeah, if they if they're called, they, they do need to yeah do need to attend press. Otherwise, there's a uh, yeah, there's a fairly hefty fine. And with practicing and etc. Before matches, presuming you have to book all of that in advance for your player, or is it automatic if you're playing later that day yeah. or? No, it's a good, so that's normally that's normally something that the um, that the coach that the coach will do. Um, but particularly given sort of it's an Australian tournament, sort of I know sort of a lot of the tournament staff as well. So I also help my guys out um, every you know every now and again if um, if if needed. So um, the first couple of days of the Grand Slam are, are crazy in terms of everyone's there. Um, so practice courts are at a are at a premium. There are both courts um, on site and also at the National Tennis Centre. Um, and they've also got courts at, uh, at Scotts College in Albert Park, which are about a 10, 15 minute drive from um, from Melbourne Park. That's uh, that are the same surface um, and sort of similar conditions that often they'll have to use for, for practice days. Um, any day, a, a, 
any time a player is playing a match, they are allowed to they're allowed to warm up on um, I guess on site, which is sort of yeah on the Melbourne Park um, on the Melbourne Park courts. And yeah, it's just a matter of booking you know booking normally a half hour slot um, and yeah warming up from yeah warming up from there. But then obviously on on days when they're when they're not playing. Um, yeah, if they're courts, they'll try and jump on site. Sometimes they may need to um, may, may need to head off site. But yeah, this is when the the star power, yeah, the, the, the top players, the big seeds, um, yeah, they always have um, yeah a couple of uh, yeah spare practice courts, and there there's no chance they'll be sent um, yeah sent off site. You wouldn't be seeing uh, Roger Federer and, and uh, Serena Williams over at Scotch College then. No, you, you wouldn't see Roger Ash or any of those guys. Um, yeah, they have a they have a dedicated practice co- a couple of practice courts as well that um, yeah the public are able to, to watch, which is also pretty cool that the public can see you know um, see the players the best players in the world up close you know practicing and kind of going through their paces before uh, yeah before they're playing before they're playing matches. And as an agent on site, how much of the tennis do you actually get to see? Are you sort of scurrying between meetings and and that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, they're they're long days. Um, I think what today is today's Thursday, so sort of day four of of main draw. Um, I haven't. Yeah, they're, 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 they are long days. I mean, yesterday of our list, I think I had six guys, six or off the top, had six or seven guys sort of playing playing matches look so it, it really depends on schedule um i don't really watch it's singles singles and um and john peers with on the dubs i'll if, if i don't have anything on I'll, I'll watch the whole i'll watch the whole match live um but it really just depends there's a lot going on um so it's just hard at times to to balance sort of what you yeah what what you have to what you have to do and you need to, do need to prioritize um a few a few things but you're always um, I said to someone only yeah about half an hour ago. I'm sort of on my phone about probably 20 hours a day um, at the moment. So you're always yeah you're always keeping an eye on results and schedule and um, in other courts as well. So in terms of um, you know if your player is playing a little bit later, um, how qu- how quickly that court may be moving. So yeah you're always um, yeah you're always contactable as well if um, yeah if if needed. Um, so yeah you, you try and get out and support you guys as um, as much as possible. And I reckon I, I probably would watch most of it um but yeah there's just times when you have yeah meetings that you just can't um yeah you just can't miss um yeah it's one of those things there's there's going on um at a grand slam particularly um at the australian open given you know the uh we look after so many um yeah so so many australian players you mentioned that things can change it that actually happened um this week with with john pierce he was meant to be on court 22 and then um, a late change to court 19, obviously, because that had become freed up. Whereas court 22 had been a bit of a backlog all day. Um, yep. how, how does that sort of happen? Yeah. So often, what you do is, so if you're the last match, um, so if in the um, outside the, the the practice desk, which is sort of in the um, which is in the in the players area, um, all all the matches are on a um, all the matches are on a screen, and um, it'll sort of say there that in. That, you know, if, if there's a chance that your that your match may be may be moved to another court, depending on, as you said, if, um, if if one match is going, if one court's going quicker or slower, so you know players aren't sitting around. Um, so yeah, you're just keeping update. The, often this is normally the, the the coach, but sort of you know we'll do it as well. Um, yeah, just seeing with the tournament staff um, of, of what they're thinking and, and what they're. Um, and what they're they're going to do with with that court or with that match, um, and then if there is a chance that your your court 
or your player is going to move, um, how much time they, they they may need to get ready. So I think we were told yesterday with, with Piersy that it was probably about 4.15 or 4.30 Melbourne time. Um, they said that it would be, he'd be on not before 5.20 because John wanted about an hour to to warm up, um, not before 5.20 on either court 19 or court 22, um, whichever court finished first. So, yeah, at least you've got a sort of a bit of a not before time. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, from that side, whichever court was to finish first, um, yeah, it would, uh, they they jump out there. So it was, um, yeah, they're on a 19, which is, yeah, super windy. I mean, yesterday afternoon was probably one of the windiest conditions I've um, I've seen on, on any tennis court. Um, yeah, in my time in tennis, it was uh, it was blowing a gale. And, yeah, just on that one, it was good to, good for the boys to, to get over the lines, um, their first win as a pair. And, um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be many more in, in 2020. Absolutely. One one person who you look after, Sam, who's of course no longer playing, um, but is now part of the Channel Nine commentary team, is is Casey Delacqua, and um, we know she's she's still very close with her former doubles partner in in Ash Barty, the world number one. But um, they had a nice moment this week, uh, her heading out onto court to to do the post match interview with Ash. Yeah, it's um, that was great. I think it was actually really um, it was actually sort of you know in a, in a way sort of just. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't see it live. I was I was tied up with something else. But um, when when I saw the when when I saw the video, it was yeah, it was it was really special. Um, I think it was special for for both of them. I mean, they've they've shared a number of a number of a number of you know great moments on and off the tennis court um, for you know for for many years now. And um, yeah, Case knew. Um, uh, Case was sort of told in the afternoon, so the day before that. Um, yeah, that what her role was going to be for, for Channel Nine for for Ash's match. And he said, you know, she was going to be sitting courtside and providing courtside commentary. And then I was sitting in the locker room speaking with speaking with the two of them before. And um, yeah, Ash was sort of teasing Casey and saying, look, if you do do the post match, I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm going to give you one word answers and be a bit of a nightmare. Um, so I think Casey was probably yeah, secretly hoping that, that that wouldn't happen. But yeah, Casey Ash is you know. Ash is great. Um, you know, she's she's natural, and yeah, I think it was Casey was pretty nervous, as I think I said to her. Yes, that probably wasn't her most. Uh, it wasn't her most professional. Um, yeah, performance, but it was uh, it was really heartfelt and really touching, um, and I think came across really natural. And it was yeah, something special, as I said before, for for the two of them. Um, and let's hope that there's going to be you know more of that. Over the next, you know, ten days, because I mean, Ash is obviously going, you know, going deep in the tournament, which would, which would be great to see. Absolutely, two much loved Australian players, right there. Um, actually, before I let you go, Sam, I'm going to have to, um, get you to make a prediction. Um, who's going to win? Uh, who's going to win men's and women's? Oh, well, considering I, I don't have any. That's what I said. You don't have anyone in the. I was going to say, so, so can... I don't. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any of my guys still in the, the women's or men's draw that we sort of do do everything for. So um, I would say, on the women's side, I'd love to see Ash win. Um, I think her, her match, her second round match, she stepped it up a level. Um, I think. Players are going to be out to get her, not only because she's number one in the world, but um, it's their home slam. But I'm going to say Ash. Um, I think how she's matured the last 12 months has been great to see. Um, and, yeah, that's no bias there. 
Um, and on the men's side, you probably at the moment can't go past Novak, but I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Medvedev uh, gets up. His, his level, um, particularly on a hard court, has been excellent um, over the last six to nine months. It's obviously finals at the US Open. Um, it was really impressive at ATP Cup. Um, and I think once he sort of gets a handle on the conditions, um, he will, yeah, he will go, he'll go well. So I would say Novak's probably the favourite on the men's, but yeah, closely followed with Medvedev. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a hard court slam this year, either it's Australian Open or uh, US Open. There you go, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> thanks for chatting. Uh, good luck with the rest of what I know will be a very busy time over there, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Sounds good. Hopefully the guys can uh, guys let us know well and we'll um, yeah, see what happens in the next ten days. Cheers.